spread one love, okay? Thanks for tuning in to us, the Eminem Show. Thank you for tuning in to another live, fresh episode of the Eminem Show. I'm your host, Nikki M.G., and I'm here with the one and only J, 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 Mills. I tried, I tried, but you, you're like way better at doing your thing than I am, but thank you for pausing. I got to experiment with that. I always wanted to do that, cross off my buggy list. We're here with Jay Mills once again, and uh, we have a special guest tonight, Ms. Thea Merrill of Rose's Luxury and Ellie up in Northwest. All right, all right. Of two different uh, local restaurants here in the District of Columbia. And uh, you're, you're like way better at doing yep. that was a meta moment <laughs> <laughs> that just happened there. Uh, tune in, uh, share and like our show. Uh, you can watch us um, at live dot uh, com or on Facebook Live on the One Love Massive page. Either way, no matter where you're at, share. Let uh, folks know the conversation is going down uh, once again. And uh, happy Tuesday to everyone. What's been going on uh, with you ladies this this Tuesday? What's been going on in your lives this week? Share. Happy first Mother's Day. It was my first Mother's Day. It was lovely. My uh, my husband um, made a delicious, healthy brunch and uh, uh, got me a nice card. And um, we got to see some family, and they bestowed uh, many gifts upon us, uh, which was really nice for the baby. Um, yeah, I'm excited to be a mommy. Amen. Someone wished me a happy almost Mother's Day. We see you and respect your nugget <laughs> day, which I thought was cute. So, yeah, happy Mother's Day, belated and always to all the moms and expecting mothers um, out there. It's uh, quite a miraculous thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Very happy Mother's Day to you as well. Thank you. Ms. Thank Queen. You. What did. Uh, the young fiery Jelani have in store for <laughs> you on Mother's Day. Um, he bought me a little gift that was a little panda bear hugging a box of Starbursts. And uh, <laughs> do you like he, Starbursts? I do, but not as much as he, he does. does. <laughs> it was still cute. It was it was cute that he <laughs> stepped it up from like you know macaroni noodle to something with a little bit more thought that he picked out on his own for his mommy so that's nice that was cute yeah (laughs) (laughs) shout out to the month of may my birthday's at the end of the month so we get closer and closer so what what uh, zodiac sign is that again gemini i said what's that number one zodiac sign gemini (laughs) (laughs) yeah man love us or hate us either way I welcome the obsession. You will be obsessed. So, you know, 
Shout outs to being a Gemini. And this is where there is J Mills past the JJ Mills. <laughs> there is Naughty Nina. Naughty Nina Ross. Ross. Yeah. Her. J Mills. Mm-hmm. And these are like, are these the two main sides of the Gemini? scales um well my best friend she says she counted six so yeah there is more there's i'm never alone <laughs> i amuse myself i entertain myself there isn't is there more. like a, a saying something there's a universe inside of each of us yes right yes there's a, there's a multiverse inside of this head what is your zodiac sign aries is it aries Ooh. Okay, your season just just passed, just passed. I welcome the Gemini though. I love me some Gemini's. Oh wow! Okay, I'll say it again because I don't think people love on Gemini's how they should. I love me some (laughs) Gemini's. I love me some Aries. Can we shout out? I'm about to take a sip of these libations, yo. Shout out to G House. Talk to us. Who tell us more about G House? Who are they? Oh man, we got the sister Dion Joy stopped through. She came bearing gifts, man. Shout out to Canna Woods one more time for being the vehicle of delivery for this fatty. It's so fat, I can't. I don't think we're going to spark this while we're on air because we are highly likely to spend a lot of time smoking. But we got a Skittles pack that has um, some. What's a Skittles pack? What's that mean? Star Dog. What what's in here? Bubble gum. Oh, so there's like different flavors yeah, in that pack. I wish you had smell a vision in, in in your television so you could really see <laughs> the differences, but we're we're gonna get into those for sure. Smell o vision in your television. Yeah. But we also have uh, juice. What kind of juice? What is that in your cup? Red. Or as little Wayne would say, don't worry about what's in my cup. Don't worry about what's in my cup. (laughs) But organic juice. I have water. (laughs) (laughs) Just to be clear. Courtesy of G House. We're going to see how how things progress by the end of the show, man. Shout outs to this, though, I think. Yeah. Highly needed for the conversation. Where can folks find more information about G House? Are they on Instagram? Come Come on over here. This tastes like a melted... Jolly Rancher. Yes, I wasn't ready. Come on, wow. come on, Sip water, water candy. Mm-hmm. Tell Ooh. us, can we? Can we, uh, can we tell us where <laughs> we can? Uh, yeah, go put the headphones on. Can you hear yourself? Hey. Mic check one, two, one, two. Yes. Yes. Great. So, where can folks uh, find more information about your services? Okay. First, I want to say thank you guys for having me. <laughs> Um, I go by Dion Joy, and um, G House DC is actually G dot House GC mm, DC on Instagram. So that's how you find us. We do um, events every day. Um, I seventy one compliant, and um, yeah, we have everything pretty much that you could possibly want. So tell us where we find you on Instagram again. Oh, so I'm Dion Joy. So that's D I O N N E J O I. And then we have G.HouseDC on Instagram for all of your 420 needs. For all of your 420 needs. Yep. Yes. Yep. Thank you. I know Jay Mills is very Thank appreciative. You. Very. 
Shout Very out to the real J Mills in the building. <laughs> All these beautiful young ladies yeah, for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, we already got some folks. Yes. We appreciate you too and the gifts. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank Say you hi, so guys. much. Dion Joy on Instagram, G House DC on IG as well. You can catch them all around the city doing their thing. Shout outs to them. And uh, if you've got a business that's pretty dope that you think we love, you know, come bearing gifts, man. I'm going to shout you out. Share with the homies. Share with the homies. Yes. Yeah, I'm on. So, uh, Sia, this is your first time on the show. Yeah. Usually we ask each other, how have you been since this past week? But this is our first time meeting you so how how about how have you been this past month what's been going on in the life of dia the month of may yeah um i just turned 30 congratulations that was april right i feel more uh whole in myself i will say that amen you know what i mean i think i like i'm a gatherer right i want to like gather information and perspectives and be like yeah or yay so I think in the last month has been like a, a lot of life changes, a lot of like fortuitous thought put into stuff, and I think I'm reaping some benefits. Have you discovered the AM Walk in Rock Creek? The AM Walk? Yeah, there's like limited runners, <laughs> almost no dogs. Oh, okay. I live okay. in Mount Pleasant. Shout out Mount P. I live in Mount Pleasant, so like getting to like the park is like two blocks down the street, yeah. right? magic there is a whole lemonade field there i have taken all my friends like it is amazing benches big brawl fields no houses just trees and open grass and like are you are you from dc my parents are both natives i've lived in dc often all my whole life childhood to now mostly virginia little stints here and there adult life dc philly new york back to dc dc feels like home the community is real Yes, right. yes, yes. Rock Creek is a beautiful, beautiful space. A good place to meditate, get your exercise on. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you right. know. Shout out to Rock Creek Park. Shout out to the park. You know? Yo, shout out to the chat room. Folks are already uh, getting live. The chat about room the is live already? Ooh. Yeah, man. Guys, we haven't even talked about anything no. serious yet. <laughs> they just got what is they going just on? the topic what and they see the what it is. Room. We appreciate the feedback. June 19th, make sure that you show up at the ballot. Show up and vote. You know, um, traditionally only 2 to 4% of Washingtonians show up to vote in local government elections. Apparently, we yes. only come out to vote for the president. And that's like the least important mm-hmm. position in like the entirety of government. Especially <laughs> when it comes to local government and, you know, your daily life. So... That being said, uh, we are so happy to have this argument. Can I feel like I should moderate because, like, I don't have a dog in the fight on one side. Oh no, it's other. good. It's good. We we checked in. We're gonna yeah. so so no we'll, good. so what we're gonna no do good. today, just just for viewers to understand, we um, for transparency, right? So tonight we're gonna be talking about Initiative Seventy Seven, um, which is a ballot measure that you will have the opportunity to vote for or against on June 19th. So again, get out and vote, exercise your right. Um, It is a proposal that would increase the tipped minimum wage from $3.33 per hour plus tips to 
$15 per hour plus tips um, by 2025. Um, so this would be a major change for uh, the way restaurants operate in the District of Columbia. Um, so we're, we're going to be talking more about that. But um, on our last show, we had a guest who was an advocate and proponent of Initiative 77, um, which, if you know me, um, have followed my Facebook page or seen anywhere that I've commented about it, you know that I am also an advocate of it. But we wanted to be fair and have someone who is a tipped employee uh, from the restaurant industry um, come and give other side of the perspective um, and let you, the viewer, the voter, decide where you stand and how you're going to vote on July 19th. Um, June. <laughs> yes, June 19th. June 19th, June 19th, June 19th. Forgive me. So, um, but because uh, it is transparent, we know that we are on, I'm on a different side than Thea. Um, I think it's really important for, um, for us in order to have a productive discussion to see maybe where we align points that we differ and why we differ, but to have a general productive discussion is to get to know each other first, right? Um, and also, a lot of people in my experience over uh, my uh, 10 years being a worker organizer and advocate, when I talk to consumers um, of the restaurant industry, a lot of them, they just really don't know like how a restaurant operates. They don't know the ins and outs. They don't know what's going on. So I also want to take this time to educate viewers about how different restaurants operate and what Thea's experience has been like in the various different roles and positions she has been in. Um, so Jay Mills, hmm? jump in, ask questions, add, you know, I'm, you, you have a whole yeah. lot to add and you got a lot to say too. Hey! But um, I want to just uh, start off with um, asking Thea a little bit more about um, how you got into the restaurant industry. Um, and uh, and why do you why do you like it? Why do you work in restaurants? Um, what led you there? What keeps you there? Hey, um, thank you guys again for having me on your show. This is pretty dope. I think it's awesome. We are pretty dope. Also, as like a listener. Um, so, well, I already added myself. So I'm 30, right? I've been working in restaurants since I was 15, off and on, all kinds, flash cast, fine dining. Uh, Counter service. So you said fast cash? Fast casual. So like fast casual. Um, so yeah, what? Because what are the different like categories of restaurants? Because a lot of people don't even realize. Yeah, that like it's a, there's different. Yeah, like all things under system of capitalism, right? There's a hierarchy. So there's um, what I mean when I say fast casual. I think um, what's the local Cava. Cava is a great example of fast casual, right? That has had a success story. So like simple grab and go things that. Um, are either made fresh in front of you or let are pre-packaged, right? That would be what I would consider fast casual. And you can sit down in like a nice-ish establishment. I think Panera is another great example okay. of like places that were like on the forefront of that, you know? Like it's mm -hmm. not like technically not fast food, but it is fast food-ish, you so know? like Au Bon Pan and yeah. uh, Le Pen Quotidien. Yes, the Daily Bread. Le Pen Quotidien. Those type mm -hmm. of places, fast casual. Mm -hmm. So you've worked in those type of places yeah, before. Yeah, definitely. Okay. But you and get then, um you get a uh, minimum wage at, at those type of restaurants, right? At not least. necessarily. It also depends on like your business model and what your you know what I mean. I think places where rappers, 
that we've just named, yeah. um, some of those places you get paid minimum wage. Some of those places you do not get paid minimum wage. You get a tipped wage. Which, which one of those restaurants? Le Pain A friend of mine worked there for a long time. He was a server. He got paid what we all got paid, which I believe then, this is like years ago when I still lived in D.C., he was not making minimum. He was making... I think I made like two something, like two thirty three, two something like that. that no, I'm talking like two thousand nine. Yeah, so then two seventy five, two seventy seven, like yeah. that. Um, so like I'm talking like oh eight, oh nine DC. He definitely that was a tipped employee working at Le Pain and Dupont Circle. Okay, so like, I didn't even know. I just assume, I assumed. I think like Jamie assumed that in fast casual restaurants, people got paid at least a minimum wage or more. Cause I'm not sh- I'm not sure that when I go to those places, like I tip automatically. Cause I yeah, I've never tipped at Panera Bread. Yeah. I don't. I don't recall. think of it as a sit down experience. Again, like I don't know anyone that's ever worked sit at a Panera. Right? You can sit at the one in Columbia Heights right now and eat. Yeah, but they have like a little thing. The one like where I grew up in like Spotsylvania, they had like a little like cushy seat. It was like a little like more comforting than like uh, like diner vinyl. But I mean, to eat in restaurant isn't. You're not serving. You don't have to refill drinks. You're not clearing out plates. You're not doing at anything. Panera, you kind of do. Like, for my Are experiences you? that I'm referencing, yeah. Like, you go, you pay. Because I surely just I sat haven't down. been in one of I years. got my food. I'll I paid that. for it. And then I took it to where I was going to go sit and eat it. Yeah. And then there's a little station where you take your tray with your empties and your dirties and you throw them away. So what we've established right now is that in fast casual restaurants, there's... There different models of Mm -hmm. potentially how they operate in terms of um, how they provide service and what kind of wages they pay to workers. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure like Kava is one of my examples. I'm pretty sure they do all make minimum wage, but again, like I don't know for sure, but like, I will say there are many restaurants in that category of like quote unquote. If you work at Kava, let us know. Tell tell us in the comments. We don't know. We're trying to learn today. See, we're just some fast casual places. Fast food places as well. Fast food. Right. So people know of fast food. This is America. This is your McDonald's, your Wendy's, your Taco Bell. They make minimum wage. Definitely. Yes. I think Hot Belly. They make minimum wage. Yes. I've worked there. Yeah. Working in food, making minimum wage. Have you worked in fast food before? Nope. I have not either. I have. You have. Where did you work? I worked at Pop Bellies. At Pop I worked Belly. at Pop Bellies in high school. I worked at Pop Bellies, making minimum wage. That's nice, though. Cutting fingertips off on meat slicers. Not nice. Like, for Never real? Mind. Having to sit there and be like, yo, so I work here and I read the ingredients on our wheat bread, and this is not wheat bread. <laughs> Uh-oh. Salty, so hey, pop alleys. But Jeez. do you know what I mean? Like, no, I worked. I think I worked every, almost every model, except no, I've worked every model. So, and then you have what do we do? We did it fast, fast, fast food, fast casual, fast casual. And you have your casual dining, right? And that would be like your, uh, your like Red Garden, Lobster, Red your Lobster. Olive Garden, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's your fine dining, right? Now, just like how we've discovered fast casual, mm-hmm. right? There's a myriad of things that go on in that specter of like yes. what that is considered. We got a comment. Uh, Panera, Cava, Chipotle, et cetera, are counter service and do not get tipped. Bam, there you go. Credit it's a counter service model. That's what I was thinking. Bam. So there you go. Like I have not worked. Uh, I have, but not for a multinational corporation or multi or national corporation. I've never worked counter service for a national corporation. I've worked counter service for a small business owner in New York City. Yeah. I've not done any of those. Have you ever worked at a like a level of a restaurant like a IHOP or a Waffle House or the casual sector. 
Yeah, but not in this city. Hmm. Like in Virginia, which I think is a whole nother beast. Um, what they have legislation going on right now in like Arlington, like Northern Virginia, I believe, to like. Right, Denny's. Yeah. That's a good one. No, I've never worked at Denny's. I've never worked at Denny's. I, I also will never work yeah, at Denny's. Yeah, I will never work at Denny's. I will never, I don't eat at Denny's. Like, I grew up in rural Virginia, so like, that was definitely an option. And Shoney's, Bob Big Yeah, boys. exactly. Honda <laughs> Rosa. Yes, all of those. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And Because um, they're all getting tipped wages, but they're not getting tips like even a red lobster person would, mm-hmm. would they? Because they don't no. have the cheddar biscuits. No, no. But they're getting that two do- $3. But you can get the cheddar biscuits at a drive-thru now, so you don't even need to go in the restaurant. And the grocery store. Yeah, like, you don't need to do that. See, they're div- they're diversifying their revenue streams. So, 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 like, but you were saying though, in the fine dining spectrum, yeah, there's, there's a whole other stratosphere. Yeah, there's like also I know like casual fine dining as well. So that's like a Rosa Mexicano versus like uh, Joe's uh, Steakhouse or seafood, right? Mm-hmm. Like downtown. Shout out to Joe's and their know? key lime pie. Fantastic. So good. <laughs> So yeah, so um, so you've worked in in a, a spectrum of different types of restaurants. Um, and what type of roles have you been in various restaurants? I have worked every front of house position. I have worked as a dishwasher, and I have worked a salad station. Hmm. Cool. Um, so for mm-hmm. folks who don't know, you said front of the house. There's front of yeah. the house and back of the house. So by front of house, I mean like I've been a server, I've been a busser, I've been a host, I've been a manager, I've been a bartender, I've been a bar back. So like everything in the front of the house. Yeah, I'm like, did I miss one? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's I think that covers my bad if I missed one. But yeah. From the gamut. I have a similar experience as well, um, including, I mean, I've never um, been hired as a dishwasher, but as a front of the house employee, you be washing dishes. You do what you have to do, you know, depending on how the staffing or the structure is or, you know, you do what you have to do. So I've washed plenty of dishes. I've been on the line. I've been at the salad station. Um, I've been expediting as well. But mostly um, my paid position or contracted position or employee's position has been um, started off as a host um, at Friendly's Restaurant. Mm, Friendly's. Yeah, way back in high school in the day. Um, And then became a server. I worked at Applebee's um, in high school and then like in some of college. And when when I got to college, um, I was a server at several um, independent uh, small restaurant family bars um, in Maryland, University of Maryland. Shout out Terps. Um, and, uh, and then after that moved to the district of Columbia and, uh, worked as a server at a plethora of restaurants here, um, from small casual, uh, mom and pop places to corporate fine dining places like Ruth Chris. Um, I worked at gamut of places, but I've also been, um, a manager and a bartender, uh, as well. So, um, it's been, uh, uh, some, some really great learning experiences. Also some challenges straight up. Um, so I'm curious though about, uh, your role now as a server, at uh, Rose's Luxury. So paint uh, us a picture. What's a day in the life of Thea like as a server at Rose's Luxury? 
Oh, man. Um, well, I'm like, man. All right, speaking solely to Rose's life, uh, I'm an early riser, so I usually wake up early and, like, go for a walk of some sort. Shout out again, Rock Creek. Meditate. Saving my soul every day. Um, then usually get ready. I volunteer sometimes with uh, different literacy programs around D.C. And usually um, my end time is like 3 o'clock. So life happens before 3 and then like after midnight or 1 a.m., right? Um, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that's that restaurant life right that's there. That's that restaurant <laughs> life. It's a lot of life. But, uh, it's also doctor nurse life. That's also, yeah. you know, law student paralegal life. That is a lot of people's schedules. Not that we live in a community for the most part that adheres to us. We are the outcasts. The after midnight, you must be drunk, right? Why else would you be out or have needs? Uh, I guess that I, I guess that's a, that could be a stereotype. Absolutely. Yeah. A, um, so. Um, I mean, that's why I used to be out. <laughs> Sometimes that's the reason. Sometimes <laughs> getting off my shift. That's the time you have to get work done. Yeah. Um, but beyond that point. Uh, Get to work at three. We have family meal. They feed us every day. Um, we do pre-show, which is like 30, 45 minutes of like, hey, what moved you today? What'd you do this weekend? Did anyone have like a great service experience? Was there something that you noticed that you're like, man, that was super impactful. Like that's something that like, we can do to like really like grab people's memories and be like, hey, this is a place for that. Like where you can have that type of experience. Um, from then we move into Food and wine notes, sometimes a tasting of some sort, either a new dish with like a breakdown or like a, whoever the farmer is that created the product they used to create this dish. Um, sometimes a cocktail, sometimes wine, lit into some diurnal shifts, alluvial soil, really in there. Uh, and then we break. We have from four o'clock to five to clean and set up the restaurant. So what time do you get in, and how many hours are you there before you actually start getting tips? And or, I mean, client, service, people, I'm there. Patrons. So at Rose's, we have a tip pool, right? So um, in our tip pool, it is servers, food runners, and bussers, right? So we get in at 3. Um, from, like, 3 to 4, essentially, is, like, prep, you know, get your energy right, get ready for it, dot your I's, cross your T's, and then service. So, um, so service starts at four, five, five, yeah, five. Okay. Four. but you got to be there at two. We are in at three, 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 mm -hmm. two hours. Um, yeah, <clears throat> and sorry, so in our tip pool, I rose yeah, what's it? So, I in again, in my years of talking to consumers, like a lot of people just they don't know what happens to a tip like after they leave it. Okay. So what is a tip pool? What is um how does it get broken down? Yeah. What's um, that? I I cannot speak to some sort of like standard standardization across the it, board. Right. It's different right. Everyone, in every restaurant. I think um mm. in my experience, in my opinion, that the tip pool was created to kind of address the moment of us like looking at our coworkers and being like, yo, hey, Tommy, <laughs> random white guy, like you do like almost nothing and you make so much money. Whereas, hey, Lauren, random white girl, you are equally the same. Hey, whoever, do you know what I mean? Like we can go through your racial and your demographics and classes. I mean, racism definitely play a part, right? In all aspects of in receiving Most tips or in working I in a service industry. 
Um, so it actually like leads us more protection and able, in my opinion, again. So we pull our chips. Um, therefore, there's not like one person reaping the benefits of like everyone's hard work. And then also like for us creates a system of protection. So say uh, like tonight in this thunderstorm, I was supposed to be working the patio, right? Patio is 10 seats. So 10 seats on a beautiful evening, which it was a little while ago. You can only, you know, working as a server, your income is generated off of your tips and how many times you can turn that table and create, a, like, a quality experience and, like, put your knowledge on display, for mm -hmm. the most part, in my opinion, right? Even though sometimes it may not be your fault that the table can't turn. Maybe the kitchen took a long time. Maybe the bar's taking a long time. Yeah, maybe, maybe the guests don't want to Yeah, they don't want to leave. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they just want to sit yeah, there. Yeah, I'm not trying to place blame as to, like, the table turning. And I have had the privilege of, like, you know, slowly working and, like, checking out different levels of like this industry mm -hmm. that I love of uh, figuring out where that space works. And, you know, from having the moment of like, once upon a time I was a shark. Oh, you didn't greet your table fast enough in a place where like it was not a table where I had an owner that trained people that, you know, only declare 10% of your chips. It'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Fun story. This is before I left DC. I went, I was like realizing there's something wrong with this. And like, uh, most of my friends are in like the arts and just other fields and, Maybe they worked in a restaurant once or twice here or there, and they're like, no, I'm not doing this ever again. Um, so in that moment, it wasn't like I had, uh, I met coworkers I could talk to. I had like the restaurant community of, for that part of the city that I could talk to. And it didn't really feel that like, I was like, all y'all don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm ignorant in the, of this like, moment, right? And you don't sound smart either. And I went to Rock, and Rock is how I found out like, what they were doing um, in this moment was having you declare enough that they did not have to pay you the minimum wage. Therefore, it's like tax fraud, right? That's how they would train you. This company still exists in this city. Like, they have multiple restaurants. I don't know if they still do that. I know they were sued very recently for a bunch of other stuff, that being one of them. Um, but back to my point, I didn't know what to do in that moment. And so I can say, like, from when Rock first got here, like, that was a place where I learned what was happening, right? And I was able to go back to them easily because I didn't know that. You know, I'd only ever worked at Potbelly's and I worked at the Odyssey and that was a bad experience. And then I went to college and I worked for college and then I like, managed a Dairy Queen and worked at Starbucks and then came back into the industry again. Because I was like, well, I can host and make more than minimum wage and have really flexible hours and like live my life. And from there, I just kind of... I've always been drawn back into this aspect of like where uh, my personal and like cultural and familial ancestry meets like food, beverage, the U.S., you know, and how that translates uh, to now. And what can I do to like not have, you know, these really beautiful aspects. Like we can all, I don't want to get too tangential, I'm really bad about that, but like we can all like uh, agree that everything has a history, right? But like who will be there to talk about Carolina gold rice and actually have like a cultural connotation as to like what that is, the history behind it beyond the like four foot exhibit at our museum that just opened. Do you know what I mean? Like what, how does that maintain it's like rich history, cultural roots and like relevance when it can like easily just be rice. Okay. Right. So like when it comes to your chip pool, Sorry, I'm like real tangential. I'm going to move that away from me. Um, I was prepared already. Um, the tip pool was a way for all of us to 
explore our passions, protect each other when it came to money, and have some sort of like baseline pay. Um, so far as how our tip pool works at Rose's Luxury Servers, getting at three. We have our busers coming at four. Um, everybody eats. They Sounds like do the nice. floors. Um, I mean, for this one job, yeah. So the buses do the floors. We open at five. Food runners have like a staggered in time. They are also in the tip pool, and everybody has like a staggered cut time. Usually, you're the last people in the restaurant. You're like your chefs. You're like, excuse me, your line cooks, uh, servers, and busers. And that's the uh, closing. I feel like for the most part, we are all out of that restaurant between midnight and one a.m. So what um, keeps you at Roses versus some of the, uh, like, the Odyssey? Like, what's the difference between, oh, like, your experience in those? In those? And now, uh, the Odyssey, is that the um, It's like the dinner the boat, cruise boat. Dinner yeah, cruise yeah, boat? yeah, yeah. I was yeah, in high okay. school. I was like, I'm fancy. I got this, like, great job. Um, that same job was the first time I ever encountered um, physical and attempted, like, sexual assault. And also been fired for speaking up about it. And that was, like, me in high school, right? At the Odyssey? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm, I don't want to have uh, uh, this bleak outlook on life and stuff. I'm just not, I'm not yeah, surprised yeah, yeah. because I've been uh, sexually harassed and assaulted um, in the restaurant industry. Because that's where I was. I'm not saying it doesn't happen in other industries. But it almost just feels like a part of the culture and the fabric of the industry. It's like kind of part of being a woman. Yes, that Sometimes. would be where my opinion leans. No matter like, where yeah, you I don't, yeah. Happens. People pull their dick out in the strangest places. They sure do. Yes, it's comfortably, randomly, so, or decide yeah. to reach and grab. Um, um, yeah. Can we get to seventy-seven though? Yeah, got yeah a lot absolutely. of background. But I think this is important. This is like this all is kind of like reaching people, there. I, sorry. To, it's important for people to know like what they're actually voting on and to mm -hmm. understand how a restaurant works, how a tip pool works versus not a tip pool, how some people are tipped, how other people's are not, and who it impacts. Yeah. Um. So I'm trying to like educate people and also and under cat in my head i'm sorry understand where thea her experience yeah. is coming from because we can for all the viewers we can talk about i-77 but if you know me then honestly you might you might not want me just to dive in because i've been an organizer for 10 years on increasing wages for tipped and non-tipped workers alike so i'm just saying like i need to understand where thea is coming from because i'm not just trying to battle her real um i guess like i keep going to my tangentials because i feel like and we got time there's still me, an hour in the show y'all yeah <laughs> for me um my fundamental problem with this campaign with rock has been the dialogue um the the misuse of information in these pamphlets is like kind of wild i think even um the the town hall that happened at Midlands with um, Rock and some representatives of Save Our Tips, right? I was there as in the audience. That was wild. Um, so what? What is what misinformation? What do you? There was tell a handout. Oh God! I don't. Know. It was like the the glossy color handout that was like everywhere at this meeting and on the. I don't know if, if anybody was there that has it. Like, take a picture of it. I don't have it. I like was looking for it earlier. Um, but on the left-hand side of the very front of the page, it had like two different numbers for like uh, medium, med uh, what was it, like median, uh, 
median salary or like a minimum wage, something like that versus like what a tipped uh, employee may, right? And it's at like 2016 underneath it. And then, cause we were all like, well, like this is like wild, you know, like where, like if this is really happening in this industry that I love in this like really dope community in DC, like where is it happening? Like I know where it's happening. I would never send anyone there. Like I would never like work for these people again. I would never like, like stand for them. Like I am like more so, uh, leaning towards like the people that I know that have like are the reason why I stayed in DC when I first left New York like it was like what is this like beautiful like community that has opened up who were all these like women doing these beautiful pop-ups opening spaces who is this restaurant that I currently work at that is able to open its doors with health insurance <laughs> like with actual ideals a mindset like they opened we have um she get health insurance at Rosie's yeah, Luxury. Yeah, health insurance. We That's have maternity really leave. We have maternity like, leave yeah, too. Yeah, that like just happened. That, that like happened like last year, right? But like we opened knowing that was a conversation. That was something they were trying to figure out. That's really awesome. They're trying to figure that out. Most places absolutely do not uh, in the restaurant industry offer health insurance. Totally definitely not maternity leave. Mm -mm. Um, and I, you know, I found that most restaurants aren't compliant with the paid sick days law. That's been a law for eight years and that's only three to seven uh, days per year, depending on what size. So um, from, from my perspective, I'm really happy for you that you work at a place that offers those type of benefits. That is rare. Definitely keep that job. Um, I wish more restaurants had a proactive approach at figuring out how to make the lives of the people that make them profitable uh, more stable. Yeah, I wouldn't exactly. Um, it's just like how I feel about everything. It's like, man, I agree with you to this point. <laughs> like to like a little point every, every like in every direction. It's like. Um, I just want to go like back to like that meeting at uh, Midlands really quick again, just for being there. And it was very interesting to, um, I also filmed it for myself. It's not really like a great video, but like I filmed it for myself. I've watched it a couple more times and it like reiterated to me one of my ultimate problems with rock, right? It is, you, there are the three main focal points in my opinion, that can be wrong, right? It's like sexism, racism and like wage theft or like minimum wage, something around wages, right? Like, because when we, Saru says that she's anti-tipping, right? Jessica says she's not anti-tipping, then says she is anti-tipping. I believe the ultimate moment is just like a higher minimum wage overall. What I don't understand is like the structure and like the lack thereof. Like it's like- Of the initiative, of the organization, I'm, just oh, of the initiative. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, okay, so like when it was put forth, right, D.C. Council, like it had not passed that minimum wage would rise to $15 yet, right? So I understand like that aspect of it. But now that it has, right, and now that there The minimum wage has not risen to $15 in D.C. yet. 2025, the projected ways. Yeah, yes. it is on the way. It has not passed as yet. We have yet. workers out here thinking they are entitled to $15 just yet. It's coming. Um, yeah, no, no, no. It's like 2025, right? It's like an incremental increase. 
for okay, so for non tipped workers, yeah, um, it's supposed to rise to fifteen dollars by twenty twenty. Um, so and this this law was passed in it is now twenty eighteen. This was mm-hmm. passed in twenty sixteen. So mm-hmm. there's like a dollar raise July first every year. So that's actually coming up. So yeah. I believe um, it's going to be around thirteen fifty this July first mm-hmm. that for. All workers, the minimum wage goes up. For tipped employees, um, I believe it will go up to four forty or mm-hmm. something like that. But then to there is this five. tip credit, um, which is something I want you to explain to folks what that is as well. There's a tip credit where if you are a tipped employee, um, as Thea was saying before, these are servers, bussers, runners, barbacks, bartenders, floaters, silverware polishers, whatever. The sometimes structure of the restaurant. Some, yeah, sometimes managers too, but that's a other issue. Um, mm-hmm. or I'm like, if you're getting a salary. So anyway, um, if you have a position of power, you're able to make decisions. Anyway, I'm like, I'm not sure you should be getting tips, but sometimes Agreed. they do. I've been a manager um, that was not salary, that wasn't a tip pool, and I ultimately left that job. That business has now closed. But like, no, and that's like, that's kind of normal too. So um, there are uh, tipped um, positions in the front of the house mm-hmm. that if they, over a course of a, a week, right, do not make excuse me the over the the minimum wage over the course of a pay period over the course of a pay period then the employer is responsible for making up the difference so that they at least come up to um the minimum wage um so so that is what we're we're talking about now this ballot initiative mm-hmm. seeks to take that a step farther by um, increasing the overall tipped minimum wage, basically uh, phasing that out over a 10-year period, collectively a 10-year period from 2016 to 2025, because it's pegged on. So increasing it to the $15 by 2025. Um, (coughs) So, but from my understanding the initiative doesn't eliminate tipping, tip pooling, or tell restaurants how they're supposed to manage or or deal with tips. So I'm hearing at Rose's Luxury um, that y'all already have a tip (coughs) pool. Um, So why, why, why are you against this? Tell me why you're against the initiative. Not necessarily, like I, Truth be told, for for folks watching, I used to work for Rock. I don't work for them anymore. Yeah. Um, I I I think that it's a great organization, but I had struggles um, there as well. It's not an easy place to work, but um, I still believe that restaurant workers that the base pay needs to to go up. So I'm I'm curious why you are against um, the base pay increase. Um, I think for me, ultimately I'm against it because I do not see it as a solve, right? Like, I think it is presented in this way that, like, here are these problems, sexism, racism, and wages, and this is how we solve it. And I do not think that there is a single part of that initiative that solves it. I think that, like, um, I will be honest, like, I... I can say that I really started, like, diving back and, like, paying hardcore attention to this issue, like, um... 
like September of last year, I think it was like around the time. And I was like, well, what just happened? Right. And then there was when Trump tried to like get rid of tipping earlier or pretty much put it into employers' hands, which is like a direct moment of wage theft. Which possibilities. Rock defeated, led that. So I'm gonna thank you. I'm gonna thank Rock for that. Um, like I said, I agree. It's like always like I agree to a point. It's like up until this initiative, I'm like, you know, like most things in life, there's things to love and things to not appreciate as much. So you don't um, think that increasing wages will address racism and sexism, structural discrimination? No, and in the I think that industry. it would a hundred percent. Like every model that I can, like, I'm um, looking at the examples. Like I so, for me, <clears throat> one of the most problematic parts of uh, the dialogue around it between Sudo and then uh, Jessica Winters Martin is this like constant uh, throwback to San Francisco, right, to California, which I'm like, a, that's a state. DC is not a state. San B, Francisco is a city. Okay, but like they usually use San Francisco, the Bay Area, LA, like the, um, the majority of the examples between what I could find on Instagram, Facebook, rock websites, and their personal, just like what comes out of their mouths. It's mostly California, right? As their references, San Fran is in California. They've always had minimum wage. The problem with that is like, a, which is kind of what they're doing right now, the, the health care charge they just passed. So like when you get your, your check in San Francisco, right? You have your bill, you have your tax, you have your health care charge, and you have your service charge, right? And yeah, you're making minimum wage. I think it was the, I'm trying to remember this like BLS, the Bureau of um, Labor Statistics chart. And it had like, San Francisco next to like DC and their median income, I believe it was like $17 an hour. It was like a $2 difference that workers in DC make more the median than in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the part that like really caught my eye um, was the part about tipping, right? And like they're, um, they have done some awesome things socially and created some like really dope change, I think. I do not think that there is a model in that system where the industry has had an ability to keep up and maintain like full service. I think um, even like uh, I have a lot of friends in Portland, so like going there a lot and like kind of seeing like how in Portland, Oregon, yeah, in Portland, Oregon, where so, they like, also have one fair wage one and fair they get wage. minimum wage, right? And tips, <clears throat> and tips, and a lot of really um, awesome places to eat. Yeah, very a lot vibrant of them. restaurant and eating scene that's not gone down. I just spent my thirtieth birthday there for a week, so and the I weed is there. really cheap there too. <laughs> All these things are true. What I will say is the restaurant industry has massively changed, and that what they do development wise is that you do not have a lot of. Um, affordable, I will say, everyday walk-in, sit-down, full-service restaurants. You have a lot of counter service. You have a lot of food trucks. You have a lot of <laughs> businesses that maybe once had multiple restaurants, and now they have one or two restaurants. So like you have, or they've completely changed all their models. Now it's like counter service, and we pulled in another big-name restaurateur to you know sustain something. In that meantime, while all these changes are happening, You've all these people getting laid off. You have all these people who now have three jobs instead of the one job they had. Uh, when I moved to New York, 2009, 2010-ish, right? Because I had a straddle year between here and there and Philly. Um, a lot of my friends moved to LA, like a lot of my industry friends, or they moved to San Francisco. All of them have moved back to DC in the last five years. Like the culture and like the very dynamic small business uh, thing that's happening in DC right now with these very intentional owners is awesome like it's insane like I said I didn't think I was gonna stay here 
Like, when I came back from New York, I was like, I'll live in D.C. for, like, a year, and then I'm going to go somewhere else to, like, focus on my wine studies. That was, like, what my whole plan was. And then instead, I found roses. I found Hogo used to be here. I found all these different uh, spaces that did not exist here when I left that now were, like, former people who had worked in restaurants for 15 years, so now they're opening with, excuse me, with these, like, dope codes of conduct and mission statements and, like, uh, actual chains of command and self... I, I want to use the word like self-enforcement, but also like I don't want to diminish the presence of people I know that were in those rooms that actually called for things and pointed things out, you know? And these are some of your top restaurants in D.C. That is how Michelin got to D.C. Like that is how all this international recognition for food and beverage is happening in D.C. And I think the boat that uh, Rock missed was not engaging that community. So you're using these examples from these places where massive amounts of people have lost jobs. I know them, they now work here. They were not making a good living in San Francisco. They were not making a great living in Portland. Like they were like doing okay, but they also like had multiple jobs. Like the gig economy is real. So you drive for Uber, you are a line cook that just worked $12 and then you, you know, save up some money to go do a stage somewhere else. A stage is when you go work somewhere for free in the hopes of, like, learning a skill or getting a job. I've done that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, in the restaurant industry. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So I, I hear you, and I want to validate the, your experience, your friends, and, and that is what you have seen directly. But I would um, contend that what you have described as challenges in these other cities are challenges here, too. Here. Um, and I, and I also want to say, like, honestly, yeah, I, I, I don't think that Initiative 77 is going to solve racism and sexism and discrimination in the restaurant industry. Um, I think that, uh, these are talking points that Rock is using to further illustrate the problems and the complexes of the industry, but I don't think this initiative is going to solve that. What I do think that is, is helpful is is getting workers to a decent standard wage i don't think that tipping should uh be eliminated i think that i want i want for people to work in this industry that is growing rapidly in dc um for it to be more professionalized i want people like me and you that if we want to stay in the industry, like it's a dignified place to work um, with steady benefits and opportunities. So I, I feel as if it's time for a transformation. I don't know if this is, I don't, I don't actually, I know that this is not the solve all issue initiative. There's a lot of work to be done to ensure that actually more places are operating like roses that have health insurance and provide maternity leave and are thinking of ways in advance of how to make sure that everyone who works in the restaurant has um, some equity, right? That's why y'all are doing the tip pool. Um, but I just think it needs to be a step farther because the the two, the $3.33 that is the uh, tipped minimum wage now, it wouldn't have risen if rock and other restaurant workers and different workers hadn't come in solidarity and said this needs to be higher it would still be at 275 um and it 
you know, it had been 275 since 1996. Mm-hmm. So it, it just makes me think, like, well, at what point or what is the way that tipped employees or restaurant workers in general get to experience an increase in their base pay the way workers in other industries do? Um, when wh- wh- what, is the, what is the right way? I... I cannot say that I have a solution, right? Here's what I can say. I can say that, like, in my opinion, right, this, like, current moment of the industry in D.C. um, is, like, asking itself those questions. And what I think this initiative feels like instead is being like, yo, we all, like, have been in and out over the years wherever, right? We have noticed these problems. We've felt unsafe. We have felt unheard. We have worked that lunch shift where you got $20. Like, we've all done that. How do we or create spaces? Yeah. How do we create the spaces that we want to work in? And that is happening, right? Like, that is happening right now. And so, for me at least, like, I can say in the last three, in the last three years, I have several friends who've just opened award winning restaurants in this city, right? They are not rich. <laughs> they are not generating a lot of income. They do not have the, like, figuring out how to give employees health insurance, right, while opening a restaurant and getting that done. And then I think there, I can think of, like, a couple of different models. So of ways people have done it. And I don't know anyone that's done it the same way, but they've all found a path, whether, you know, you pay your employee pays a little bit or they pay nothing. They've all found a path to get there. And I think that's dope. And that's not because it's been legislated, right? It's because they have the experience of this industry. They have the backing of it. They have access to uh, investors that are their coworkers. What I do not think is realistic is that you can expect these same people who are, you know, barely hitting their minimum lines with all the other things of being a business owner, whether you have investors or not, whether you... Uh, are a co-op with your staff or not, whether you are a service model, right? And you don't tip at all because those restaurants exist. Those bars exist in this city. Uh, I don't think that it is possible to find, to tell them to find like what, an almost 500% increase in their overall budget because. I don't, I don't know about $3.33 to $15, right? That's like including like the taxes that you pay on your individual employees, right? Including like every, including all the aspects of being a business owner. Like it's like, I don't, I am not a business owner. I can't call like numbers to this, right? But I know like there's like payroll tax, there's like your health insurance. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. I do not think it's impossible, right? I do think that like if, if that is the overall goal, then how is it that when I go into Rock's office or like, we've never heard of Rose's Luxury. We've never heard of any of these restaurants that have these. I'm like, okay, so who have you heard of? Like, who are you talking to? You've been here for, what, nine years? And I I believe when I was like reading it earlier, the number was like 500 members, right? So that's like less than 1% of the hospitality community here in DC. And like, I try to steer clear numbers because I'm really bad about like keeping them straight. But I'm also like, how is it that you haven't talked to any of us. Well, so here's the thing about, well, not just rock, but about nonprofits in general, right? Like they're nonprofits. So their capacity is extremely limited compared to businesses that have direct access to employees or 
uh, business associations that have access to hundreds of people. So, you know, Rock has a couple of staff, so they're Mm -hmm. doing what they can to engage as many people. But I will tell you that um, when I worked at Rock, and this was from 2009 to 2013, um, I surveyed myself. 346 restaurant workers Mm -hmm. with a standard survey asking them, and these are front of the house, back of the house, black, white, Asian, Latino, every different position, um, just to learn more about the good benefits and then the lack of benefits to see what was what. And overwhelmingly, you know, people didn't have access to um, paid sick days and any kind of job protection. People talked about, you know, being afraid of standing up and getting retaliated against, losing their job if they talked about wage theft or or just a whole host of things. And it really um, opened up my eyes. So, um, and when I worked there... I would get calls from workers um, from Pittsburgh and Virginia and just anywhere. People are like, hey, this happened to me. Like, I don't know what to do. What are my rights? Like, help educate me, you know? So um, I just want to be clear with folks about the difference in capacity and and maybe – why they haven't got to every single restaurant. But but I'm also not interested mm, in mm – a conversation necessarily that attacks a nonprofit organization. I'm interested in why you, as someone who makes tips, um, does not want the base wage to be increased over time. Like, what is it? What are, I'm curious about if, if this isn't a solution that you think is helpful to the restaurant industry what are other ideas that would make it easier for small businesses to operate, stay successful, and take care of their employees? Because I'm not trying to front like it's easy to run a restaurant. It's not. I worked in the industry for 17 years. It is a hard industry, and it's really expensive to do so here in the District of Columbia, where the rent is really high, where... Um, in a lot of the places that you're renting out to start, you, you have to pay the property tax on the building plus the utilities. The owners aren't trying to help you. Um, there, there aren't plus renovations while you're operating your taxes. Like it's not easy. You need to have a sound strategic plan and the right people helping you execute that. And it's, it's hard to do. So I'm not even fronting, but I think that there are changes that definitely need to happen and be updated in the industry. So I just, I want to know what you think are solutions to um, getting more places on the level of Rose's Luxury or other good places that you worked at. Because not all places are like that, and you know that. Otherwise, you would have stayed at those other places. 100%, definitely. Um, I think that, like, intentional culture setting um having like yeah i've worked at rose luxury since opening like i helped up in that restaurant most recently i helped uh, a really great project mount pleasant ellie that just opened up ellie opened up with um immediate uh oh god uh, cast training or safe bars excuse me uh safe bars training which was like um Pretty much like a really great moment of like one-on-one, like how to read a room, like what are protocols of safety? 
here are things like signs you can look out for that's not okay. Also, like language you use with each other. I think that is like a great pathway to find something more like systematic to change overall. I think that like, like, no, I do not have much experience, nor do I represent the National Restaurant Association or Darden or any of these other like big name companies. Like, no, I have definitely like intentionally stayed far away from those places because of the the boys will be boys culture, right? And I do not think that that stands for this entire industry as a whole. Do you know what I mean? Now, so far as like to why I'm against this initiative, I think that like I happen to work with uh, two very open, for the most part, restaurant owners, you know? And sitting there with them, not like, you know, in a one-on-one, do you know what I mean? But like, they're open, whereas like, they will answer questions if you have them. They have talked about, so like, all right, so this is like, excuse me, what we are doing in the moment with like the tipped minimum wage already rising and trying to like have and maintain this like dope culture of like all these farms between like Maryland and Virginia and like getting this like really fresh, really awesome, really like humane for every resource to the person that is serving you like complete attached organisms going. That is not an easy feat, right? So like at where where do you cut your cost then? Um, I think the things that have been suggested, you know, like, well, you change your wells. Um, you go to a cheaper product. So then who goes to your restaurant? And then do you stand for that? And and how do you then incorporate this whole new like payroll aspect in where it's like, okay, in the in the current model, right? I can support that. Like, yes, I want my industry to change. And I think that like in these other pathways, like we as a whole are all coming together and creating the spaces that we've always wanted, right? From like working to the people that come in and how we treat our guests, right? to how we treat our purveyors, to how we treat every single person that comes into interaction with that building, right? Do you, at Roses. At Roses, at Ellie, the two places I work, at, at Roses Room 11, at Humahimitsu, at places that I, that I go to a lot. Like, I think that these very um, intentional spaces have been created throughout the city with a dedication to being not only a safe space for guests and women and minorities and, you know what I mean? Like, everyone that could feel slighted in a dining out experiences. They have intentionally created cultures where like, you will not have that. And if you do, there is someone there to be like, I'm so sorry that just happened to you. Can we like, what can I do? Like, how do we get away from this? And there is a level of awareness. But my, my question is like, we had said earlier that we don't think Initiative 77 is a uh, solution for dealing with no so, not at all but so but it poses so, itself as such so i'm not i'm not cool. so i'm curious like i heard you say that you think intentional culture setting is really important for the transformation of the restaurant industry and i think that that's right too but what is how does that um make it so that uh people like me and you have more consistent wages, the opportunity to budget, to like get workplace benefits. I'm not clear about. Oh, heard. I think like in my experience, right, I have found myself more protected and I have the ability for that. Like I have like a stable paycheck. I have, um, I can request off. I can like go on vacation. I can like take off and kick it with a family member if they're ill. Like I can, I have flexibility of life. I have a stable income. And that I think is enabled by like, this dope workspace, Roses, and the tip pool. 
So you have you said you get a steady paycheck. You actually get a paycheck. Yeah, I get that a paycheck. It has money on it. Yes, it definitely. Say zero. This is not no. a check. You've never gotten that. It when I stopped work, never. No. So you always so. I but, don't get that at Ellie. I haven't gotten that. I have not had that happen to me in a job since like 2009-10 when I left DC at that restaurant. That so you I was get paid earlier. like every two weeks, mm-hmm. every week or something. Get it every two weeks. I don't want to ask like exactly how much you make, but I just. I've like very seldomly ever received an actual paycheck um, in my 17 years. Most time it was like, this is not a check, zero, zero. Have so you worked I'm, in a tip pool restaurant? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I've, you still didn't get a paycheck? You know what? I don't want to say that I never got one. Like I yeah. definitely remember getting some time a paycheck for like $20 or $30, but getting something that was like <clears> consistent, <throat> like I know I'm going to get 100 to $200 like every paycheck, like no. In my experience, I was never able to depend on something regular coming in. It always fluctuated depending on the shifts that I worked in the type of restaurant that I worked at. So that's why I'm curious. I'm yeah, like, how, I can say how is Rose's doing something different where they're paying 333 but still, or Ellie's, but, but still able, but paychecks are still being generated. Yeah, so this, is, this is new to me. Is the work seasonal? No. So have you ever gotten cut? So you you pretty much have a very stable work situation. Yeah, you definitely. I have those experiences. Mm-hmm. I do not have that experience currently. I have not in the last five years. So your perspective of being back in DC at this point definitely comes from a, a certain place of privilege, knowing that the place that you work at is in the minority. Um. How do you think that other people can get the same feeling of an assured paycheck for the hours that they work, at least? Any type of level of comfort, you know? Consistency is key, especially is when you got there. kids. And agree. You know? yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I need, to, I need to be able to budget and plan, on, you know? That's and real. again, I'm not saying it's easy, but what are what are the solutions? What are the ways that restaurants can, like, work with workers to have more stability i mean again i have not worked for any major corporation restaurant almost ever outside of like fast cash models i have not worked in like a couple fine dinings in new york so everyone i've worked with is a chef owner um either doing pop-ups or like opening a space right or they are an owner who's just really trying to get something going. <laughs> like, they just really want to, they have an idea, they think it's great, and they're going to run with it. They're going to put all their all into it, you know, all the investors they can gather, parents, homies, whoever, and, like, try to make something happen. So those are my experiences, I'll say, this 2018. So for the last eight years, that's been my, my day-to-day measure, right? So I cannot speak, I can't speak to someone that like works in these other like in these corporate restaurants outside of being like if that you know DC is like what like just under six hundred thousand people now eight hundred yeah we, we've grown Jesus. we've had a lot of a yeah. lot of growth so eight hundred thousand right 
out of those people, I don't know how many uh, work for a corporate restaurant that you know live in D.C. or work in D.C. Um, what I will say is, I, I don't. Do you know? I think that there's there's approximately fifty thousand. Yeah, that's like the, the going number in Washington D.C. And I can't tell you the percentages of different types. There are certainly a lot of independent restaurants, but there mm -hmm. are a lot of corporate restaurants in many empires here in D.C. And we actually boast um, having five of like some of the top grossing restaurants in the Indonesia. entire United States. Yeah. This town Shout this town got money, okay? Yeah. People be eating and spending their money here, okay? Most definitely. The Clyde's Corporation, um, the Old Abbott Grill, the Hamilton, and the Clyde's in Chinatown, like regularly on the business journals, uh, some of the top three grossing restaurants, it, making like 30 million in profits, Again, you know, kind of. So they can afford this massive switch. Exactly. The thing that I I have the issue with and they are not the majority of the restaurants. There there's but there there is a whole there's a whole lot. You might not know. Like Latin Concepts owns five or six restaurants. Passion Foods owns a whole bunch of restaurants. Jose Andres owns a whole you know these groups. So there there are many corporations a lot of folks don't know. The thing that's upsetting to me is that those are the groups that can actually afford to do this. And they are advocating to not increase wages for workers, for everyone. And so it's like, if you can afford it, why not y'all do that? Because you can do it and help professionalize the industry, create ladders that people can move up. And then maybe some, in my opinion, the smaller, like, struggling businesses, what is the city doing to uh, make it easier for them to get cash flow mm -hmm. and all these other things? And maybe they could have an exemption or, like, a time period till they get to a certain level to have to, but I, you know what I'm saying? I'd be into that. Instead, what we have are our ward members trying to give IHOP a tax break to open up in Anacostia. When that moment of revitalization was pushed by community, those small businesses that are there are not IHOP. They are not Denny's, they are not there. But that is who, when you read articles about this industry in DC, they are not talking about those groups. Yes, do they get money? Sure, you can book a convention in here. Sure, you can do whatever. Like, yes, there are plenty of people who will go back to that side of the industry because they're like, I would rather have to clock everything about my job and constantly like be on top of my owner and my boss and my manager because I would rather make bread than like do this. I know like two people who have just done that. Like, and it's, that is where we're at with this conversation in DC is that it's like, so you're, the thing that is driving your industry is not the thing that you are like attacking, right? We can all agree that there are major restaurant groups that could and should do way better and they still exist, and they are still generating profit right now on Wisconsin Avenue in Georgetown, right now on K Street, right now in Chinatown, you know? No, they are getting $0 paychecks and walking out with a bunch of cash and getting these crazy tax bills. Been there, done that. Like, that is not the community that is pushing D.C. That is not who will be most affected first and worst. Like, that is me. That is all these, like, small business owners, these brown women, these D.C. natives, these, like, new-to-D.C. people, these, like, growing their families and kids here from Baltimore, from Northwest, from Anacostia. Like, that is who was affected worst and first. All these corporations can eat that. So how are we saying that, like, 
this is beneficial for all of us when the instantaneous result is like, cool, so either we can close or we just like don't need a front of house staff anymore. We're going to like change our entire operation so that we can have the two people we can afford work the front with no support and pay minimum wage and put out our product or we close or we... I don't know. I don't know if it's that simple across the board, though. I, I hear you. agree. But my problem, see, I, I just don't get down with, like, general corporate interests that are advocating on behalf of working class people. Because typically they're not looking out for us. Yeah. So Agreed. if the big restaurants that actually run the local restaurant association, the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington. Which is, what, 30% of all the restaurants here? Yeah, not So even, not even the majority? Okay, but they and the National Restaurant Association are behind the Save Our Tips campaign framing, okay? And so that's where I think that the the way that the issue is being framed on that side is misleading as well. My question is, if the biggest, most powerful, profitable restaurants are the ones who are actually leading the resource charge against the initiative, why are their talking points or their proposals not about um, adjusting the amendment to better accommodate small businesses, right? It's just about defeat it. From the conversations I've had, it's more so been like, oh, we already like are figuring something out. We already have a plan. We had this moment to like slowly scale up and like in our trajectory to like, all right, we have this amount of time to reach $5. We have to this $5. amount of time. Yeah, but that was it. $5. And that, that would be over a, a total of like 30 years by that point that it had been frozen for that. So yes, I can agree that do I think that I don't think is enough. Agreed. I do also don't think that people most vulnerable should be held accountable for a bad system. Do, do you know what I mean? I don't think they should I be agree. attacked and like, told that they are that well, who's the most vulnerable me the workers the small businesses right? that just opened up that are owned by the workers like how do whoa, you whoa, 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 so if wait. we're like if you're right, the business the, roses is not are you saying roses is a co-op no, and i'm not talking about roses are you i i don't know of any cooperatively owned uh restaurants, restaurants in, DC. in dc i just want to be clear <laughs> no okay. there are, i i don't know the model either what I was referring to was people who had been workers who are just opening their first establishment. Into a system that has not been set by them. Jay Mills, I want to know what you think about all this. We've been talking a lot. What is your, what is your, I know you have experience in the restaurant industry, but I don't think you have worked in it as long as Thea and I. So what's your perspective as someone who has a little bit of experience, but who's a consumer and a native Washingtonian? Well, I did almost a decade. Okay, okay. 18 to 28. When I got pregnant, I got fired from Phillips downtown. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, so it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> Definitely part of, man, that whole life was very, very, very interesting. The way you had to budget and just kind of accept it. And the level of acceptance I think that came along with getting paychecks, paychecks that said zero, but sometimes walking out with a couple hundred dollars, um, several hundred dollars, many hundred dollars in a night in cash 
and the camaraderie, just the lifestyle that comes along with making that much money. I mean, I I joked around with friends and said it, it's really like a step away from drug dealing or stripping because getting used to that fast cash life, immediate gratification from the job that you work is not really normal. There's not too many other industries that will give you that payout like that you know so accepting all the things that came along with that whatever it was however unfair it was was the thing that you did in in working in the industry but we really have to historically look at the context of that industry and why it's set up as it is and there are many things that have existed in this country for a very, very long time. That doesn't make it right. Undoing it won't be easy, but we live in a time of change, radical change, amazing, like unbelievable change. Like cannabis is legal. We had a black president, you know, I mean, even historically looking at Brown versus Board of Education and integration and affirmative action and all these different things that never would have, you just never, it was like, this is, this is just how it is. How dare you demand these rights? Well, here we are again with yet another fight, which is glaringly obvious that it's unfair. It's preposterous to imagine that your budget stops at the people who actually are the most important part of your business. You got the budget for the dishwashers. You got the budget for your cooks. You got the budget for your front of house. You got your budget or your top of the line administrator. You got a marketing budget. You spending oh menus, all types of what, what decorations, lights, all sorts of things that goes into a restaurant. However, suddenly it is preposterous to assure that these people can get minimum wage. That's the way I look at it. Like, you know, from working in the industry, someone who wants to own a restaurant, when I do private pop-up events, I pay my people more than minimum wage because I don't want you to feel like you got to shuck and jive or depend on your time. But you know how somebody feels about arbitrarily tipping, tipping you because it's not even legal and mandatory in the first place. You know, we got to realize we don't exist in a vacuum. We don't. It's a whole world and it's an information age. And there are many places that are giving people in fair pay. This is not new. This is not oh my gosh, you know, it is what it is. Yes, it's radical. Yes, it's going to shake. But, um, uh, here's, I am not like against any sort of change. I am not against like making more money per hour. I am, good. <laughs> I am against, um, a national organization deciding to like set its sights on DC doing little interaction with the community that has like brought DC like has hospitality and food back to the forefront and then telling me that I'm a victim telling me like I not, wait you hmm? did work previously at the Odyssey correct yeah which is in DC yeah your experience there yeah I was Fired after being sexually assaulted in the locker room of a bow. I was also Horrible. 16. Horrible. And my boss decided I was lying. Also a, a woman of color. 
And then I was subsequently fired. Totally horrible. Never wanted to work. I, I instantly knew, like, this is not a safe and protected space. I would hate to be on a boat like that. That's oh, so terrifying. Oh, my God. Like, I, I have wasn't, a total fear of boats. I don't know. Like, uh, like, close ooh. quarters. Oh my God. Like, I already do. Because yeah. the whole... I'm on a boat. Like I gotta, I gotta run. <laughs> I mean, it was the air sign in me. I just gotta, gotta know my escape. I just man. I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah. To that. Thank you. It was crazy. Like you know, I didn't know I needed to be afraid, and then I was like, this is well. I don't have to be afraid. I can just like not do this. No, fuck that. And find my avenues of safety again, like the community, the hospitality community. Like my dad was a chef for a while. Like I've never not um been tapped in or wanting to be a part of like i i have tried other things <laughs> barring, and i've always come back to this industry barring that i thought that uh just in terms of you getting a zero paycheck that that was mm -hmm. a place where you you just had the tips or was it that you yeah working there? no no well mm -hmm. yeah i was also in high school so i couldn't work that much but like i'm Pretty sure I got, like, change on a paycheck, like, you know, like, $15, uh, 30 cents, like, whatever, and, like, walked out with three to $600 cash in high school. So that's, like, wild, you know? Like, I was, like, paying for college. That was, like, my moment of, like, oh, I got a job to, like, try to, like, not be in debt. <laughs> cool. Um, and then that happened, and then I just, like, didn't have a job until I went to school and, you know, work study, um, scholarships, things like that. But um, from that moment on, I worked in a bunch of other food service related things. I, I was one of the few people, I think, that had a great experience with Starbucks. <laughs> uh, shout outs to that 401k. Yeah. They're right. a great company. It's a lot of companies that are doing good things. I was talking to uh, Nikki about my experience with the Darden Group, apparently long before things turned sour yeah. but um i had benefits it was cool they supported me in school mm -hmm. i i really um i liked the company structure i could see where i could go within it you know the different rates of pay that you even got per hour moving up as a head server and all these different opportunities and different locations and just seeing my peers go on and be assistant manager and you know Shout out to that lifestyle. It's, it's unfortunate um, whatever may have changed from from how it was in the past. But I'm sure there are, there are other companies that are are making that choice to to be like that, you know. Um, but I'm all about justice, and injustice for one is injustice for all. No matter how nice my experiences may have been, all I can think about, and we all know this, anybody in the service industry, you do this shit because you know it. And you over tip, you over tip everywhere you go because mm -hmm. you just know like somebody didn't mm -hmm. you know if you work in the service yeah it's yeah, too you real know what's up. you know what's up so for that good day that good time that you had you know there's one that does not and maybe they'll never have a day like that they'll never have a thousand dollar day the eight hundred dollar day whatever hundred dollar day did. <laughs> okay, four hundred dollar day. <laughs> yeah. myself, but I am yo. an advocate for like standardizations <laughs> across our industry. I am an advocate for people having a more sustainable and stable lifestyle while also like pursuing um, what I consider a profession. You know, like working in this industry, being a server, like on the the sommelier life, like trying. You know, I love <laughs> it. There's a reason why I have left and come back for fifteen years now. You know, mm -hmm. like. 
I do support them. I'm not going to act like I don't see them. Like, I'm not going to act like their problems aren't my problems. I'm not going to act like, you know what I mean? Like, that is not what I am saying at all. Like, I see you. I know where you are. I know the restaurant groups that, you know, like I said, that I worked for that still exist here in D.C. The mini conglomerates, the, you know, all these things. But I, like I said before, like, I agree that change is afoot and should be pursued. I do not think this is a pathway. I do think there is a pathway. I do not have a complete solve for it right now. I think that that is something that could be done together, right? I think that even with the, um, even with the, the campaign between like Save Our Tips and One Fair Wage, right? Um, I cannot say I support either group, <laughs> hard period, like, Nah, I'm not here for either one of you. None of you seem to actually care about me. None of you actually seem to like, like, what is your goal here? Like, to have uh, what, Suru and Rock compare what I do for, to cheapen my profession and also to cheapen women in general by, uh, what was, they, they had a statement come out yesterday and it was a quote from Suru and they essentially created, um, equated tipping to sex work, right? That is what Rock is doing like on social media platforms that also like FOSTA just passed. So you are going to sit here and demonize sex workers who already just took a massive hit via legislation that we were not included on much like this initiative. And then like, while also demonizing them, tell me that I must too be demonized and victimized because I get tips because I mean, living is based on tips. That makes it less of a profession that makes it less of, I'm like, I, know so many people who scrimp and save like that is a good do you point. know what you it costs to take a sommelier test like to to be in these like to continue to see what i do as a profession right to get certified certifications like you would in any other job that that you do get paid minimum wage on that cost me what was the the first one six hundred dollars i can't wait to that's almost three you. quarters of my rent right now Goodness. and i live with six other people like <laughs> That is almost three quarters of my rent. I had a stable income, was able to like help friends with pop-ups, work at other pop-ups, like get help open another restaurant and complete all these other things in my life based on my tipping. Now, on me being tipped, excuse me. Um, what is problematic for me is, is that I will instantly not, my rent will now become three quarters of my overall income. Like, we were doing the math. I think there's a, there's a restaurant owner who put out a call to, like, bring your payroll, bring your pay stubs, come to my restaurant, and I will, like, show you how this will directly impact you. Um, I want to say it was, like, Macon Bistro. I can't remember her name. But, it, like, I just, uh, someone just sent it to me today. They're, like, I think it's next Monday. Um, she's, like, bring your payrolls, bring your checks, bring your pay stubs, and, like, we can see how this will directly impact you. Do you know what I mean? That is a small business owner. That's not Rock. Rock is telling me that I'm a victim. Eight years from now? Yeah, I'm like, it's kind of hard to, like, are when, they projecting their revenues eight years from now? Like, it's a dollar. It's, when it's, everybody else's yeah, wage is also the, gone like, up consumer at pricing the same index. Like, I'm not sure what her system is going to be. Like I said, I just, like, found out about this. Like, I'm not sure what her system will be. But I will say that, like, the person doing the work is the person being demonized by Rock and One Fair Wage, right? Not the person that is over here you know, giving you a $0 paycheck. That person is fine. 
I understand, honey, that you do not like rock. There's a whole lot of people that don't I also don't, don't like... like the NRA. You know what I mean? I am not a member. I'm not a Rammies member. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not a RWM, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I support them. <laughs> like, I support certain aspects of rock. But they like... don't have a worker. They don't have worker representation. They did start a, a group last year called the Restaurant Worker Association of America, and their mission is to explicitly, if you go to their website, to stop uh, the increase of the tip minimum wage. And so... Is that the one with the... What's this name? The do with the glasses? This is the Restaurant Workers Association of America. It's a brand new organization that has formed in response to the work of rock but the work of rock you may not agree with this initiative being a solution to some of the problems but what i do have a problem with is then a restaurant association of wealthy business owners creating a fake restaurant workers association with the only mission of stopping the tip minimum wage not addressing any of the other issues that could be improved in the industry i I like Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that there are NRA members that may or may not be with Save Our Tips, but I'm pretty sure that those are mostly, if not all, small business owners. They are not the National Restaurant Association. Well, the the local restaurant association, restaurant association has plenty of independent owners, but I guarantee you, this is I mean, this is a coordinated campaign. I know it's a coordinated campaign. I mean, that's that's organized compared to the non-restaurants that are organized. And so um, Kathy Hollinger, David or Andrew Klein, the res- the local restaurant associations, lawyers, they're at the Wilson Building. They were probably there today um, already prepping council members to strike down this initiative if it passes. If it doesn't pass, they don't have anything to worry about. But if voters still vote for it, they're already working to repeal it. And so that is the beautiful and really difficult thing about democracy, right? If you don't like something for voters, um, for for residents who are getting involved, if you don't like something about your city, a law that's been passed, like get involved. Organize your community, organize your workers, go talk to city council, talk about what your options are, talk about other solutions. Definitely. It's it's a process. You got to fight for it. Agree. And, you know, that's why I'm glad we're having this discussion today. Hopefully folks have uh, uh, gotten a more rounder view of of the Save Our Tips perspective um, and the Initiative 77 perspective. And now it's up to y'all to decide where you stand on it. Read some more articles from the Washington Post or the city paper. A&T look at different websites. Go to, talk about it. Get involved. Learn what's up. Talk to servers when you go out and eat and see where they stand if they know about it. Ask Very people friendly. if they even know that they get to vote on June 19th in the first place. Um, yeah. That's a whole other conversation about our D.C. government and transparency, etc. But um, now it's up to you. Um, so keep talking about it. Thea, I want to thank you for joining us on our show, sharing with us about your life and your perspective. Um, at this point in the show, because it is 1033, <laughs> it's time to hand it over to Jay Mills to give us some wisdom nuggets, some perspective to bring it all back to love. Because that's what we are about here at One Love Massive it is about love. We can disagree on different things, but get involved from a place of love not from hate that is important jay yeah. mills 
Yep, yep, yep. Take us home. <laughs> snap, snap. Snap, snap. <laughs> um, I want to dedicate this metaphysical moment to the ladies. Um, specifically to mothers. And I say mothers and ladies at the same time because women are pregnant with ideas. Our imagination is so vast and profound. Our attention to detail is so amazing. We are literally creative force, a reminder of divinity. We form human beings inside of us majestically in our sleep, just growing a whole human. The body comes together so amazingly so amazingly life is a gift every life is a gift and women have an amazing gift in giving life not just physically in the capacity that one would say but also in your words women speak life and boy they can cut you down women are so powerful I always get into it, you know, when I'm, I can direct it to the ladies, but I know there are definitely some gentlemen who are watching and things like this. And there was this comment that was said uh, in the the internet a little while ago that I took interest in because I'm all about, you know, the information age and taking responsibility and becoming love, pushing through, having the hard conversations and being the highest intention of yourself. Everyone has been hurt, hurt people, hurt people, all of the different generational hurts that have just been imparted upon different persons, the identity crisis that many people are having right now. There's this universal mother love that is needed to be expressed from every woman just to love every woman. You must love. You must be love. Be that firm love, motherly love. Know that love creates and destroys. The idea that something outside of love and light is responsible for destruction is a whole nother talk show. And the many illusions we've been placed upon to be cast in the spell of this paradigm that separates you from understanding that the light of life in you is divine. Flat out. Like you're alive, part of the all that is all. Back to these women and the power of their words, the power of their thoughts, and the power to give life and to speak life. When women are so hurt, all these different reasons why we are hurt, we can categorically break down graph by graph and tell you horrible story after horrible story of things that have happened to us. So this man asked if men are trash. Who hurt them? (laughs) That's a conversation that many women were not really willing to have at the same time of addressing their pain and the source of their pain to also look at those other parts of themselves. No, it's not them. It's never them. That's always the conversation when you got to talk about these things. We want men to talk about things. They're not rapists, but we want to talk to them about the things that have happened to us. Can we, as women, have a conversation about horrible women, about horrible mothers, about terrible decisions and trifling choices that we know? No, we don't know them. No, they're not our friends. No, I'm not going to take responsibility for these skeezers, but... I have heard tell 
I know the breed very well. It troubles me. (sighs) But there are things we must understand about the differences in our genders. If you choose to believe in the story of Adam and Eve that is told in many, many different religions, you'll learn one key thing about the difference between us. Man's greatest temptation is woman. But woman's greatest temptation is material. Eve wasn't tempted by Adam. (laughs) She wanted that apple. The woman who wants the wrong things is the cause of destruction. The woman who wants the right things, speaks the right things, does the right things. (sighs) Majestic. We got to step into our magic. We are very powerful, very magic. The intuition of a woman, the intuition of a mother. (laughs) Magic, powerful, real, factual. And it can be polluted when you lie to yourself. Sometimes people pollute it when they lie to you and try and make you feel like you crazy, that you don't see what you know you see and you don't feel what you know you feel, but their words and things aren't lining up, you know. We got to be love. Love is pushing through all of those things and observation without judgment. So shout out to those that give life. Understanding what unconditional love truly is. Redefine it. Step outside of this paradigm and realize that just as there is nothing that you as a parent, you know, (laughs) looking at your child as they grow, there's nothing that they could do that could make you not love them. They can disappoint the fuck out of you. Get on your last nerves. You didn't even know you still had. They on it. Tap dancing. But that limitless capacity for love is a limitless capacity you got to have for yourself and a limitless capacity to have for the others. Love is compassion. Compassion is loving the haters. So push through all of that to all my women. Push through all of the examples to be negative that are just flooding the world right now. Nothing but cattiness and horrible stories and love and hip hop. But nobody's really in love and nobody's really friends. And nah, man, my my friends is friends, yo. Like, nah, shout out to Aaron, Jasmine, two mothers to be, <laughs> two best friends, um, Candace, Jasmine. I have to name a couple more because now you know the list is up. But shout outs to women that love women. Shout outs to queens that uplift queens. Adjust the crown without telling nobody that it was crooked. You know, we gotta be love. I'm making this charge to women. You know. I'm making this charge to men, too. But definitely off the strength of Mother's Day, we got to activate that creative God sense that we have to place beauty where it was not to create beauty and love and light. We smell good. We arch our eyebrows for the fuck of it. (laughs) Since ancient Egypt, we painted our faces in still waters. We just do these things. We've done these things. We just decorate flowers and domesticate beasts we are powerful yo one love 
That's what's up. Thank you, Jay Mills, <laughs> for that beautiful metaphysical moment again. Um, for people who are watching, I hope you uh, uh, soak that in. I hope that you soak learned something. Up. I hope you learned something from the show today um, reflected in the metaphysical moment. We are queens. We treat each other as queens, even if we don't agree on issues. This is how you have a conversation with people, but can still like each other at the end of it. Word. We might not all, you know, agree on different points, but like, I hear you. I know you heard me and it's still love and we're going to still work together to figure out One love, solutions. Yeah. So um, thank you for tuning in, everyone. Again, get your ass out vote. of the couch and go vote June 19th. Yes. Selfish plug. <laughs> vote for Nikki MG. Vote for Jay Mills. <laughs> vote for Molly. Vote for everyone on the Dump Trump Dems for Action slate. Check out our website, uh, Dems for Action nationbuilder.com we got some dope happy hour events coming up and uh, we'd love to see you there so uh, thank you for tuning in and we will catch you next week Tuesday at 9 peace out alright yep yep like Teddy